Welcome to another episode of That Weird Ass Game, where we discuss weird and unusual games. Uh, today, I have Brandon on the line. Howdy, howdy. And we're discussing something that I think uh, only Brandon really understands on an expert level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are others, but in the immediate yeah. vicinity, we'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, and I, I wanted to discuss this because it still has boggled my mind for a while now. <laughs> we're talking about... Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. Yes, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, I just before before we start, I have one question. Okay. Why? Uh, the <laughs> the theory behind the why, and even back in two thousand eight, it seemed like this was the theory, uh, but not the outcome was money. Uh, basically, what happened was anybody that knows anything about Midway Games was that by 2008, they were not doing so well. Uh, pretty much going into the 2000s, uh, their last remaining golden goose was Mortal Kombat. Basically, first of all, they brought it back to life in 2002 after their last mainline entry was in 97 with Mortal Kombat 4. So five years later, they did Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance, which was their first console-only Mortal Kombat game, uh, mainline game that is not including the... Much more infamous spinoff games, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. Um, but yeah, they did uh, Deadly Alliance in 2002, made the company money. They're like, okay, hey, maybe there's still life in this franchise after all. So then pretty much every other year, they were doing a new Mortal Kombat game. Uh, so the, the the next three were basically Deadly Alliance in 2002, Deception in 2004, Armageddon in 2006. And the problem with those games was that they were... I don't want to necessarily say same game, different coat of paint, but Deadly Alliance felt rushed, even though it had been five years since the last one. It's almost like Midway went, hey, we still own Mortal Kombat. Let's make another one. Quick, do it now. Do it now. Um, huh. And they did. It's like, hey, we need to get it out in time for Christmas. Um, because even if you watch, there, there's a video on YouTube called Mortal Kombat Unseen, which was a documentary that was actually on the disc of Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. And you could see some of the things that they wanted to do. Like they referenced stage fatalities. There were no stage fatalities in Deadly Alliance. Uh, right. They mentioned like maybe one or two fatalities each character went back to having one fatality so you were already getting that rushed mentality even back in 2002 with midway and mortal Kombat. deception on the other hand in my opinion is the best of like the playstation 2 xbox era of mortal Kombat games because it felt like there's more original content you had characters with two fatalities again you had um well, they weren't stage fatalities in that one. They were, like, glorified ring outs, but using the style of stage fatalities. I was like, okay, I'll take it. Even though you can do that in the first round, then they'll come back in the second round. It was weird. But um, they also had something called uh, Harakiri, which is pretty much what it sounded like. It was basically that last little F you to your opponent. If you lost, you could kill yourself before they could kill you. <laughs> um, which a lot of people have wanted to come back into the newer games. They still haven't done that. But uh, once again, neither here nor there. But then you have Armageddon. And then we're going back to, okay, this is a, a sign of Midway rushing something. That was the Kitchen Sink Mortal Kombat game where they're like, hey, let's have every Mortal Kombat character that ever existed in one game. No, yeah, I saw the roster for that. It's insane. It's definitely quantity over quality. It's fine. Yeah. I've played worse Mortal Kombat games, but it was definitely a case of let's just reuse a bunch of assets, make a few new ones. Uh, no unique fatalities. It's all what they call creative fatality. Interesting concept, but when that's the only way you can do fatalities, you've lost me. They had created a character which people liked, but that also never came back. And the endings were basically just the character that you beat the game with doing a kata set to text. That was it. 
I mean, if you're going to have like 60 plus yeah. characters, obviously a lot of corners are going to be cut. So at this point, they're like, okay, we don't really know what else to do with the storyline. Um, so someone at Midway knew someone at DC. Uh, I know there's more specifics behind it. In fact, there's a really informative video you can watch on YouTube. Uh, there's a series called um, What Happened, or Wahapa, as it's actually <laughs> written out by uh, Matt McMuscles. Exactly. And he did an episode on Mortal Kombat versus DC, uh, which definitely is like the best TLDR version of the story. But yeah, the short version is that someone at Midway knew somebody at DC. They're like, hey, why don't we try something here? So they decided to do a crossover game, thinking this will revive it even more you know people love crossover fighting games that's why we have marvel versus capcom and i was just about to mention that yeah exactly what's funny is a lot of people don't realize and i i know i briefly talked about this in the past that there actually was a marvel superheroes versus street fighter because a lot of people remember x-men versus street fighter and then marvel versus capcom but wedged in between and not as popular was marvel versus street fighter which i feel like is the most accurate parallel to this because if you think about it, you're not having DC versus Midway. It's DC versus just Mortal Kombat. If it were like DC versus right. Midway, you would have like the Smash TV characters or like NBA Jam characters or some shit. I don't know. Um, but no, it's just Mortal Kombat versus DC. And so, yeah, the, the, the short version of the why is they just thought, hey, this might be gimmicky enough that this will make money. And, you know, me being the Mortal Kombat fan that I was, I wasn't excited, but you can bet your ass I still pre-ordered it. Uh, I played through the game, beat it with every character, beat both versions of the story mode, and didn't really play it much since. It was just a case of, yeah, it's a Mortal Kombat game I gotta beat and unlock stuff, but there mm-hmm. wasn't much to unlock. So, yeah, I, I know why is a very broad question, but that's basically the answer. They thought it was going to be a big money maker. It made money, but not nearly what they thought it was going to make. Yeah, right after this, didn't Midway go out of business? Yes, so that's the funny thing. Um... It was designed to rescue Midway, and it didn't work. <laughs> exactly, because they literally went all in on just one aspect. They didn't try to fix anything else, because there were other games that Midway tried to release around the same time, one of them being uh, Stranglehold, uh, which was a video game sequel to Hard Boiled, the movie, with Chow Yun-Fat. Mm. Uh, interesting concept. It's always interesting, for lack of a better word, when you try to do a sequel to one form of media with another form of media. Like, sometimes, like, comics probably are the most popular form of doing that. And as to whether or not those are canon is always a very murky area. Even, you know, going back to Mortal Kombat, there's an entire, like, Mortal Kombat X limited run comic book that was parallel to the game coming out. In fact, there were a couple things in in that comic that we learned about the game before the game came out. It's like, oh, who's this cowboy-looking dude who's kind of hanging out with these Outworld characters? Oh, is that going to be a character in the game? Then we found out that was Aaron Black. So the comic actually gave away some of the characters that were going to be in Mortal Kombat X. But to this day, people are like, is that storyline canon? Because what happens in that comic doesn't really change the outcome of the game or vice versa. So technically, it could be canon and not mess anything up, but it feels ignored. It's one of those strange <laughs> things as well. Um, yeah. But the Chronicles of Riddick game did the same thing where it's a oh, prequel to Pitch Black. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it's prequel to Pitch Black, and then they reference it in the Chronicles of Riddick film, but it doesn't really affect the story at all. Exactly. So it's, it's kind of like playing it safe. So it's like, hey, if the, these people didn't play this or didn't read that, we're okay. Um, but that being said, going back to Mortal Kombat, what's funny is that with MK versus DC, depending on when you got the game, 
if you got it upon its initial release, it has the Midway logo on the box. If you got it, I believe, with, like, the Greatest Hits re-release, where it was, like, 20 bucks. I know that's the thing on, like, every generation of consoles. But, yeah, the re-release yeah. version, it has the WB Games logo on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically implying that Midway, obviously, was not distributing the title at that point. They no longer existed. But the thing is... NetherRealm Studios, as we know it now, was Midway Chicago. So Midway Chicago is what WB Games absorbed under their umbrella and then rebranded uh, NetherRealm Studios. So so it worked out well for for Warner Brothers because I've said for over a decade now, MK vs. DC was a necessary evil because if it wasn't for that, I honestly don't know what would have happened with the franchise because... It was the fact that Warner Brothers had this collaboration with Midway, even though it wasn't monetarily successful and really not that critically successful either. They're like, you know what? We can do something with this. We know Midway's going to go away soon, so we can pull that in. So mm-hmm. for all the things MK versus DC does wrong, there are also a few things it does right as well, but I can save some of that for later. But yeah, like you said, this was meant to be the, uh, the savior for Midway and ended up being... I don't want to say the nail in the coffin because the game itself didn't cause a downfall. It was just so many other things that by the time it got to that, it's like, oh, eh. like I like I said, yeah. I, I've played worse Mortal Kombat games, mainly like some of the spinoff games. But uh, <laughs> that that's the whole story in and of itself. You could do like I don't want to say a trilogy of weird ass game episodes on the spinoffs because there's one good Mortal Kombat spinoff, and that's um, Shaolin Monks. Mortal yeah. Kombat Mythologies is enjoyably bad if that makes any sense busted as hell but there's still some fun to be had with it and actually important when it comes to the lore which is kind of weird like the gameplay sucks but storyline wise it's actually important for the backstory of Sub-Zero it's really weird but Mortal Kombat Special Forces can just (laughs) that that game can just fuck right off we're we're at the 10 minute mark so I'm just gonna say that there's no redeeming qualities from that game whatsoever and that's also its own yeah, I think I might have gotten through like the first level of that game, and I'm just like, I am, I am, I'm done. I'm done. It's, mm. It wanted to be Metal Gear Solid, but it ended up being Metal Gear Flaccid. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to go description. with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the the game it's the game of Mortal Kombat versus DC. It's like in and of itself, the game is fine. Yeah, exactly. It, but that's it. It's, it's just fine. Like it's also worth noting this is a teen rated mortal Kombat game yep in fact when the <laughs> first trailer dropped in i believe it was spring of 2008 i like many others i was very confused i was like okay this could be interesting i'm because like the first image that really like burned into everyone's head was the profiles of sub-zero and batman staring down one another yep. and this was well before it had a rating but one of the first things i thought was okay is DC going to actually allow an M-rated fighting game where Mortal Kombat characters can kill any of the DC characters? And, mm. well, kill, technically? But, no, definitely not M-rated. Uh, yeah. What's funny is, with the T rating, this was the first time, I think it was, like, official that a Mortal Kombat game was rated T for teen. I think maybe one of the handheld versions of one of the other games might have been rated T for teen, but A, that was a port, and B, that was just probably because the graphics sucked so bad. I, it might have been, like, the Game Boy version of Mortal Kombat 3 or something like that, mm. um, where you really couldn't tell what the hell's going on anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this was, like, off the top of my head, this is the first time a mainline Mortal Kombat game was rated T for teen. Uh, and what's funny is, 
It's very convoluted. Basically, three quarters, I, I would say three quarters of the characters have quote unquote fatalities. Um, and one quarter, specifically the DC superheroes, have heroic brutalities. And, yeah, because uh, of, because that's the weird thing. Like the D, the Mortal Kombat characters are willing to kill, but the yeah. DC characters are not willing to kill. So you have this conundrum of, well, what do we do? <laughs> exactly. And what's hilarious is that some of the heroic brutalities that the DC heroes do seem more damaging than the quote unquote fatalities that the MK characters do. The most infamous of the Mortal Kombat fatalities in MK versus DC is one of Kano's fatalities where he does like this weird little like roll and like chest stomp thing that mm-hmm. looks it looks like a special move that would be during the fight and it's labeled a fatality yet I think it's Superman who can like lift your ass up and like yeet you to the ground from God knows how many you know stories into the sky and yeah. <laughs> and then your legs are like moving back and forth, very like Looney Tunes. Like, yeah, that didn't kill them, slamming them head first into the ground. But you know, the the little chest stomp, a la Bruce Lee and Air of the Dragon, will will do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's f- also funny because there's two fatalities from the DC villains uh, that were censored for the American release. Um, the most infamous being. Uh, Jokers, where he pulls out a gun and initially has like a little flag saying power bam on it uh, as like a little gag. And of course, he laughs. The opponent looks confused. Then he pulls out a real gun and basically blows your brains out. So in the American version, the camera pushes in just enough that the head of the opponent is out of frame. But you still see the body kind of fall over. Uh, In Mm. the European version of the game, you see the contact. Like you see like blood splatter come out the other side. So I don't know if they assume that they're going to be able to get away with a T with that. I mean, blood in a game will not automatically give you an M. I think in the 90s, blood was very much like a very taboo thing. It's like, oh, you're going to get an M rating. Street Fighter 2 had a little bit of blood. Like, if you were Blanca and jumped on your opponent and started, like, munching away, you see, like, a little squib of blood. Nothing Mortal yeah. Kombat levels, but still. Um, it, it, it's like it's like an R-rated film being edited down to a PG-13. Bingo, exactly. And I think yeah. the other one, I always get the names mixed up. I think it was um, uh, Deathstroke, who was the other one that had a, um, a censored fatality as well. Uh, and in the, fa- the the whopping two censored fatalities. But what's great about the Joker one is that they sort of got to reinvent it when the Mortal Kombat uh, reboot or Mortal Kombat 9, Mortal Kombat 2011, whatever the hell you want to call it, the 2011 game called Mortal Kombat came out (laughs) and you played Shang Tsung and one of his fatalities was he would morph into a demonic-looking clown, pull out a gun, and then it would have like a little Powell flag come out and then he would pull out the real gun and shoot you. But the great thing was it wasn't just, oh, we're just going to uncensor that fatality because even the uncensored version of the MK versus DC fatality, yeah, it's like you don't see like chunks of skull or brain coming out. It's a blood squib that comes out for like a second and then you fall. In MK or um, the the 2011 Mortal Kombat, it blows off half of the opponent's head. Mm -hmm. It's like a dumb, dumb (laughs) round. Like it goes in like half the skull comes flying out. Um, so yeah, big difference there, but yeah, that, that was, that's to this day, that's still one of the most talked about things like, Hey, let's make a T rate of mortal Kombat. What could possibly happen? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, and also when you have the limitations of another license on top of that, because you can have like intense T rated games as well. But when you have something like DC where they have very specific regulations, 
I should have known from the beginning that that's what was going to happen. I mean, I yeah. know DC can get dark as well. I mean, we we know this, you know, in various forms of media, but I think they were still kind of skittish in regards to video gaming because I can't remember if uh, the Arkham series was around that same time. I want to say it was, but even I those think are still it team. was at that point, yeah. But even that felt grittier, and even though that was T-rated, MK vs. DC felt like... I don't know. It was almost like watching Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, that Saturday morning TV show that they used to play on <laughs> yeah. USA Network. Um, yeah, it, it was just very bizarre. But um, but yes, aside from the T-rated aspect, the other thing is the gameplay itself wasn't really that like revolutionized compared to the PS2 and Xbox era because they were still doing like the 3D style gameplay. They're they're starting to lean back into. 2D gameplay, but if you held down, you weren't ducking, you were still moving towards the camera. If you held up, you are moving away from the camera. So it still had, like, that pseudo 3D type thing, but at the same time, the actual gameplay, like, the mechanics were starting to feel a little more two-dimensional, but it wasn't, like, 2.5D quite yet. This was also... I want to say right before Street Fighter 4 came out the following year, because I think it was... Uh, winter of 2009 when uh, Street Fighter 4 came out. I could be wrong. I might have to double check that. But um, I think that was another thing. I think when that did better, um, once NetherRealm Studios was established through Warner Brothers, they're like, hey, we should probably do that. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that it was both Street Fighter 4 and the 2011 Mortal Kombat where the fighting game genre, subgenre, what have you, uh, was truly making its return. Because it was a big thing in the '90s, like it was, it was huge yeah. in the '90s. Uh, but and then yeah, it kind of fell off. Yeah, yeah, because they didn't know what to do. Because the thing is, you had Street Fighter, you had Mortal Kombat, which were like the kings of 2D fighters, uh, and you know, King of Fighters had more of like its like cult fandom, uh, which is still going to this day. Um, yeah. But and then, then you had, like, other offshoots, like, what was it, Primal Rage, you come out of something like that? And... Oh, yeah, with, with Primal Rage, that was interesting just because um, they were trying the digitized graphics with that, but with, like, stop-motion animation. So it was almost like every character was Goro, basically. Like, they were yeah, treated yeah, the same yeah. way. And it was fun. I mean, and obviously not the greatest fighting game, but certainly not the yeah, worst I've moments. played. Um, th- there are actually, it's funny, I think um, Angry Video Game Nerd did an entire episode about... Mortal Kombat knockoffs, and there are some really bad ones out there, like really <laughs> bad, especially on like the um, the 3DO and CDI and the Jaguar, like all those like way overpriced consoles, like right around the time that the PlayStation finally came out. Um, but, oh god, the Jaguar! <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But I got um, that for forty bucks. Wow, damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kasumi Ninja, that, that was one of the ones on Jaguar. Um, and then, of course, 3DO had uh, Way of the Warrior with the uh, the licensed um, uh, white zombie music. So, fr- <laughs> yeah. fr- from, the, from the team that would later bring you uh, Crash Bandicoot, Uncharted, and Last of Us. The, the early days of Naughty Dog, when they were much naughtier. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so... Yeah, that, talking about, like, the graphics, that brings me up to something, that brings up something I want to talk about. Why is this game so ugly? Yeah, uh, so it is like the like the, at this point you'd had like amazing visuals in games and like amazing texture uh, mapping. You had like the Arkham series was going strong, which looks incredible even to this day. Even with the remasters, they look amazing. Like the moment where I realized the graphics in this game were absolutely awful was the first time Wonder Woman appears on screen. 
Her hair <laughs> is like doesn't move. It's a wig. It's it's, it's a, a wig. wig. <laughs> it, it looks awful. Oh yeah. Like uh, why does this? Like why are the environments like so barren? Like everything's so ugly. There's like no animations in the background. Like nothing's happening. So it's almost like a parallel to your initial why, and it's a similar answer: money. Uh, because they didn't have the time to put into the put effort into the game, so they just said the hell with it. Didn't have the time, didn't have the budget, and to be fair, this was the first Mortal Kombat game on uh, PS3 and Xbox 360. Um, So they're basically, they're probably using a lot of the same uh, materials that they would have had uh, from their uh, PS2 and Xbox days. So they kind of had to like bump it up a notch. Because you'll notice with each subsequent game from MK vs. DC onward... um, They've gotten better with each game, like not even just Mortal Kombat, but even when you look at Injustice, because as of now, they've pretty much bounced back and forth between Mortal Kombat and DC, ironically, uh, because you had MK vs. DC, then you had the Mortal Kombat reboot, um, then you had Injustice, then MKX, then Injustice 2 and MK11. And with each subsequent NetherRealm game, they keep getting better. Uh, So MK vs. DC was, it's almost like when I hear about the original saw and how they didn't have time or money for rehearsals so what you're seeing in the movie is rehearsals that's kind of the way i can describe the graphics of mk versus dc i feel like it was a lot of people trying a lot of things see what worked and what didn't for the time they had the money they had uh because i feel like if they had more time it would have looked more polished i mean this game was also going to have um dlc and it didn't even get around to having that because that's right yeah that got canceled yeah it just wasn't making money or not the money that it thought they thought it was going to make. And so they're like, why put more time and effort and money into something that's not going to really come back in droves? Like, I think the most they had planned was DLC, like one DLC character for each side. Like, I know Quan Chi was going to be for the MK side because he's even in story mode. Like, they made a right, model. Yeah. They just didn't, you know, program, you know, moves for him. So <laughs> they, they went as far as using that. I mean, to be fair, that would end up being used um, later on. Uh, but yeah, it was really more just for show, and I think DC they were going to have Harley Quinn. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, makes but sense. then that fell through. So yeah, they they have more plans, but you know, it was just it all came down to time and money. I guarantee if they had more time, more money, it probably would have looked better. But once again, it was the first PS3 and Xbox 360 title for the studio, so I think there yeah. were some growing pains there because even from MK vs DC to the MK reboot, there's a huge leap. I mean, that yeah, that one looks a little dated too, but. Even so, that was a big leap within the same generation. Um, yeah. Is that yeah, also it, why a lot of the voice actors aren't very good? Because um, it's not Kevin Conroy doing the voice of Batman. He always does the voice. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they, they didn't typically use, like, the more well-known voices for the actors. Like, I know, believe it or not, in um, Mortal Kombat 11, I think... Richard Epcar, the actor who does the voice of Raiden, I think he also does Joker, which is funny because, like, I wouldn't correlate the two. Then again, yeah. you know, years ago, I wouldn't have expected, you know, Luke Skywalker to be the Joker, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, why didn't they hire Mark Hamill? That's just bizarre. Like, funny. <laughs> so, oh, like, okay. you, you've, uh, already, you've already got one guy doing one voice. Let's have him do another voice and save money. Um, That's fair. I mean, to be fair, Epcar actually does a really good Joker as well in MK11. I think he also does him in uh, the Injustice games as well. I could be wrong. Um, they, they've bounced around so, yeah. voices. Yeah, they, they've bounced around on a few voices. I know, I I think it was MK versus DC through um, MKX that they had the same voice actor for Scorpion. 
Uh, actually, it might have been since uh, Deadly Alliance, but then they had a different voice actor for um, MK11, but then they kept the Sub-Zero actor, so they kind of, like, keep and change. It, it, there's a lot of factors with their voice actors, pretty much. It's, it's a little yeah. um, convoluted, though. You can kind of see where they kind of cut corners is uh, when Scorpion screams out, get over here, it's clearly an audio file from a previous game. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the, the voice does not match up with the actor they have in the game now. Well, the thing <laughs> it is, yeah, the thing is, the more iconic get over here scream is Ed Boone. Right. Uh, yeah. They, they just kept him doing just that line uh, for years. So what's funny is whenever you have Scorpion's voice actor say get over here, it's jarring because it's like that's. Like, no matter how different the voice is otherwise, like, if you don't hear Ed Boon's voice saying, get over here, it's weird. It's almost like, I feel like <laughs> there's almost like an unwritten rule that's like, oh, that just means that the demon's taking over more when he's saying, get over here. That's why it <laughs> sounds different. They've never said that, but that's my headcanon. Um, yeah. Just to excuse to have uh, Ed Boon keep doing the voice for, you know, <laughs> almost 30 years now. That um, makes sense. Which is hilarious because for the longest time, I didn't believe that. It's like, I need proof. And then there was a video of him at Comic-Con screaming the voice on stage. And I was like, there we go. That that yep. really is Ed Boon screaming, get over here. They deepened it a little bit, but not much. Because when you hear Ed Boon in an interview, he's actually, he sounds like pretty mild-mannered. So that's another reason why you're like, I can't expect that voice to come out of him. But here we are. Um, mm-hmm. Although I, I will say the best use of get over here was at the front of... Um, uh, Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge where Daffy Duck was jumping around the Warner Brothers animation logo and then the WB logo opens up and then Scorpion just grabs Daffy Duck by the throat and pulls him in. It was like things <laughs> I never would have expected to see in my life is Scorpion grabbing Daffy Duck in <laughs> an official release of something. But oh, it, was pr- it was pretty amazing though. I mean, yeah, it's Warner Brothers animation so it made sense. Uh, I mean, obviously we're not talking about that today but you want to talk about like R-rated Mortal Kombat? Holy shit. Like, MK vs. DC is like the lightest T rated you can get, but Mortal yeah. Kombat Scorpion's Revenge is like one of the hardest R animated films I've seen outside of like anime. Like it, it earns <laughs> its R rating. It's amazing. Um, a few F bombs, but a lot of gore. It's like very gory. It's it's hmm. it's really intense. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but holy hell, um, definitely check that one out. But uh, yeah, MK vs DC though, I, I have said that it is a necessary evil because not only because of the Midway WB Games acquisition behind the scenes stuff, but also because it was the first Mortal Kombat game to have a story mode. And right, yeah. Isn't this supposed to be canon with the rest of the franchise? So I would say for the most part, no. However, you can still fit it in. I would say, I, I don't know if anyone's ever blatantly said, oh, it could fit in between these two games here and there, but theoretically, if you had to make it canon, it could take place either between three and four or four and deadly lines, just in, in my mind, um, only because of the characters that are in there. Because what's interesting is that of the classic Mortal Kombat characters, the only one who's not in it is Johnny Cage, which right, was, yeah, he's was not strange. There. So that being said, I could see this being between MK3 and MK4 because at one point in the storyline, they said that Johnny Cage was killed by Motaro which is why he wasn't in MK3. That was the storyline reason. The real right. reason was because uh, a lot of the uh, actors were not getting paid proper royalties for the games uh, when they are being... And so he didn't want to do it again. No. And it's funny because there were a handful of actors that still came over from 2 to 3, but you'll notice that a lot of the actors who did return 
or a lot of the characters who return were played by different actors to be digitized into the game. You, typically, right. a lot of them were like people who were already working for Midway. Like um, the actress who played Sonya in the third game uh, was Carrie Hoskins, who was already a digitized model for NBA Jam as a cheerleader uh, for like some of the attract mode <laughs> stuff. And she was in Revolution X as like a dancer in a club. And I think she also played like one of the villains as well. Um, I haven't played that game in years. It was like Olga or Helga. She had like the black wig and sunglasses. Um, but uh, but yeah, she was already doing stuff for Midway anyway. So like, hey, she's blonde. Let's make her Sonya. And so there we are. Um, but yeah, so uh, Daniel Pacino, uh, he was the original Johnny Cage in the first two games. And a lot of them were working on Mortal Kombat 2 before Mortal Kombat 1 came out to the consoles and exploded. That's why you saw so many of them come back for the second one, because they didn't think about that. So the second game was being tested in arcades when the first one was coming out to consoles. And then they're like, wait, what have we done? I I feel like we should have been making more money. So that's why... A, there was a bit of a lull between 2 and 3 because the first one came out in arcades on like late, late 92. Second one came out in late 93. Third one came out in spring of 95. Uh, in fact, 95 mm-hmm. was like the year of combat. They tried to time that out with uh, the release of the Mortal Kombat film, which at the time was supposed to come out in May of 95 and then got pushed back three months because of um, reshoots and a few other things. But uh, that's why MK3 came out spring of 95 as well. But on top of that, you you lost a lot of actors at that point. So that's why Liu Kang doesn't look the same. That's why Raiden's not in it. That's why Giant Cage is not in it. Um, Sub-Zero is played by a different actor. Scorpion wasn't even in vanilla Mortal Kombat 3. That was one of the biggest mistakes that they rectified in Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, the whole Johnny Cage thing, that's why they're like, oh yeah, no, he was killed by Motaro or part of Shao Kahn's extermination <laughs> squads. And that even was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, too. So, like, Johnny Cage <laughs> dying was a thing. Uh, a lot of people make fun of that in the movie. It's like, well, that was a thing. I mean, it's yeah. more it's more easy to make fun of the fact that it's not Lyndon Ashby playing the part, but a guy that looks a yeah, shit it's ton like, it's, like Most Lyndon of the actors Ashby. are not even there. <laughs> no, and it's funny, too, because I remember years ago, like, back in the 90s, when I saw The Next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank, and I was like, there's a guy in that movie that looks kind of like the guy who played Johnny Cage, but it's not the guy who played Johnny Cage. This is weird. And then, like, a year or two later, he played Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So I'm like, this is weird. This is really weird. Um, But, yeah, so I think because of that head canon, not official canon, you could say, okay, it takes place between three and four because Johnny Cage isn't there. And it really doesn't affect anything else. It feels very isolated because the rest of the Mortal Kombat lore, I feel like there's a lot of connective tissue that makes it hard to really ignore one or the other, um, whether big or small. But yeah, MK versus DC, it's like, yeah, this is a thing that happened and we don't really talk about it anymore. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah. if you have to make a canon, there you go. Even the gameplay is just kind of like, it's nowhere near as in depth. It feels like oh, it's no, missing a lot of pieces. Like it, it's it's kind of like a bare bones minimum uh, minimum requ- minimum requirements for a Mortal Kombat game. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, this was in that weird phase where they still weren't sure. Hey, should we keep like deep diving into three D or should we backpedal into two D? Because the thing is, after Street Fighter Mortal Kombat in the nineties. Virtual Fighter came along and like, oh, hey, we can have 3D fighting. This is weird. And then Tekken took it and made it, in my opinion, even better, which is why we're still getting Tekken games. And 
I can't remember the last time we had a Virtua Fighter game, but even Ed Boon was like, hey, Sega, we need a new Virtua Fighter. So when the head of another fighting game says to a company, we need more of your fighting game, make more <laughs> of that fighting game. Um, but yeah, so Tekken, I think, was a sign that both Capcom and Midway were like, hey, we need to try some 3D stuff. So Capcom kind of toyed with that with Street Fighter EX. They were kind of smart in advance, we're like, mm, let's not take our mainline Street Fighter games and make them on a 3D plane. Let's do a side, not side story, but like a side step, ironically, with 3D gaming, uh, and have Arika produce these games and Capcom will distribute them. And that's how you got the Street Fighter EX series. And they're fine. They're, they're not bad. I haven't played them in years, but they're not bad. They just feel very different. It feels like Street Fighter trying to beat Tekken. But the mainline games always remain on a 2D plane. Mortal Kombat, they're like, oh no, we're we're just gonna, you know, adapt to that. Like, MK4 was the first time they dipped their toes into the 3D water, and it was fine. But yeah, by the time you get to MK versus DC, it was starting to feel like more of the same with the Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance and Deception-style gameplay. A little more towards 2D, but the combo system was also very convoluted. This was one where they were still, like, heavily emphasizing that whole dial-a-combo thing, but, like, up to 10, like, up to level 10. Because, like, if you actually jump into the training mode in MK versus DC, some of the combos they show you, you're like, what? I, because, like, even, <laughs> like, I've watched Maximilian Dude on YouTube, who is, like, a big fighting game gamer. And even he was playing it, like, what, uh, what, what, how? How am I supposed to do this? Like, you yeah. have to, like, look for these little cues, and the timing needs to be, like, almost frame-perfect. And Oh, they do, that, they do that crap in Mortal Kombat 11, whereas, like, some of those combos are like, yeah, that's impossible. <laughs> not, not as bad as MK vs. DC, though. MK vs. Well, yeah, DC yeah. was like... The, the, see, the biggest difference between MK vs. DC and the later games is that they were smart enough to kind of, like, make an amalgamation of the dialogue combos and, like, old-school create your own combo like hey i notice if i do this jump kick really deep at this time that i can then like cancel out into this move here and then i can just do this move there while if you're doing dialogue combos that's all you can really do like you have to do those combos based on those which funny enough started back like 13 years prior to mk vs dc in mortal kombat 3 that was the first one that really started doing dialogue combos mk2 was more traditional street fighter 2 style combos where you kind of just link things up and see what worked based upon you know uh whether something would cancel out whether or not uh you could juggle your opponent and all these little things uh but yeah mk vs dc i i think they they were very hesitant. Like, you could tell they wanted to try to do, like, 2D-style combos, but you're doing the 3D gameplay, and it just wasn't working. Like I mentioned earlier with Street Fighter Four, which, by the way, I did confirm that was uh, early 2009, I think that's when NetherRealm realized, okay, if we come back to Mortal Kombat, we need to do that. We need to do mm. 3D graphics on a 2D plane. I think that's our safest bet, so that way we can take advantage of modern technology, but traditional fighting game gameplay and like the only one i feel like was able to adapt into the modern era with 3d gameplay is tekken because it started that way street fighter mortal kombat did not and that's been my theory for a while is that when you take a fighting game franchise and you try to force it into an area that hasn't been known for it doesn't always work. It's not like when you take a 2D platformer and go into 3D, because even that can also be kind of risky. But then you see something like Mario. It went from, like, Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario 64, and everybody thought it was the greatest thing since, you know, sliced bread. But then when you do that with a fighting game, you're like, 
um, we'll see what works. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what, what's funny is you never really saw the opposite. You never really saw like a 3D fighting game go into 2D. The closest example I can think of, and this might be a candidate for another weird ass game, uh, is Street Fighter Cross Tekken. In which you had the Tekken characters now suddenly playing on a 2D plane, which they had never done before. But then you had the opposite in Tekken 7 when Akuma from Street Fighter was a guest character in Tekken. And he actually adapted pretty well. They actually did a pretty good job um, adapting his uh, fight style to the Tekken style. And it worked really well, which is why I'm still hoping, my God that Namco will still attempt Tekken Cross Street Fighter. Because that's what they were supposed to do. They were both going to do their own games. It's going to be Street Fighter Cross Tekken and Tekken Cross Street Fighter. And obviously, whichever name was first in the title, that was the one that was more the focus in the play style. So Street Fighter Cross Tekken was Street Fighter style by Capcom. Tekken Cross Street Fighter would have been Tekken style from Namco or Bandai Namco. Um, So Akuma as a guest character in Tekken 7 is probably the closest we're going to get, but it actually turned out really good. Street Fighter Cross Tekken, eh. But but needless to say, yeah, the gameplay was very wonky. But thankfully, by the time we got to the reboot in 2011, they they backpedaled hard. And I think the biggest difference was that they actually started having competitive fighting game players working on these games. Like, that's one thing they really didn't have in the previous 3D games. They really just had your standard programmers making them. But then once you started getting, like, competitive, like, Evo-level uh, players working on these games as well, they're like, yeah, no, this is what's going to work this is what's not going to work that's working but we can make it better and you know this thing is a little too overpowered we need to nerf this thing here that's why whenever the games are updated now like even mk11 to this day whenever there's a patch there's patch notes that read almost like hieroglyphics but if you know anything about like the intensity of a fighting game you're like oh so this move went from doing uh, 33% damage to 30% damage, and this combo will cancel after you do this move instead of that move, and, you know, this this character will do this in this many frames instead of that many frames. A lot of it sounds like gibberish, but when you read into the specifics, you're like, oh, so I can't do this as well as I could before because the character was too overpowered, or, oh, hey, they buffed this character, so you have that. Yeah, you were not going to get any of that in MK versus DC. I think even if they did do DLC, patching... Mm, they they weren't really used to that. Once again, this being their first PS3 title, because let's be honest, the PS3 and Xbox 360 era was where, um, like online gaming was becoming more of a thing. DLC yeah. was becoming more of a thing. Updates were becoming more of a thing. PS2, Xbox, and GameCube era, no, what you got is what you got. You're done. Uh, so because you know, for example, like if we had connectivity, aside from that clunky modem thing that you could attach to ps2 uh Mm. during like the ps2 era with deadly alliance with deception you would have had updates especially on deadly alliance like hey we know we we release this game with no stage fatalities and only one fatality per character but yeah we're gonna put in a free patch so every character has two fatalities and stage fatalities um like even with mk11 you know it's it's still very packed full of shit even when you get it vanilla but you know they still had the occasional free updates too like hey you wanted friendships again? Boom, they're back and they're free. So yeah, you just get them just added on there now. But yeah, MK versus DC. I think even if DLC was a thing, I don't know if they really would have patched that. They didn't really put much thought into like reworking combos and timing and things like that. Like from the the MK reboot onward and the Injustice games, like oh yeah, no, we're constantly looking at what's working, what's not working with these characters. Like for example, I remember with Mortal Kombat X. 
so many people were playing a scorpion online because of the insane combos that he could do. But then after a while, they're like, yeah, I, I think we need to nerf his ass because too many people are being way too goddamn cheap. And, you know, taking away 75% of health before the one player can do anything. And the funny enough, I didn't really play online very much, but even offline, I noticed that Scorpion, some of the combos I was able to do, not anymore. Like, after the patch kicked yeah. in, it's like, well, shit. Like, I can see why they did it, but at the same time, you're like, okay, I can also get why people are annoyed, but it's also more fair. But, yeah, that's another thing that MK versus DC was lacking. I, I feel like Midway put all their all their money on just like being successful right out the gate that yeah that isn't always the case with the game now i mean unless you have a surefire franchise you know like like a lot of the rockstar games like a grand theft auto or red dead revolver uh, or you know more recently you know something more of like a oh i didn't expect that like animal crossing or even the final fantasy 7 remake you know there's some games that you know like right out the gate are going to make insane amounts of money. Usually just looking at the hype. Like Final Fantasy VII, like people have been wanting a remake of that for years. And, you know, coming out... It was even even teased. It was the the tech demo for the PS4. So they're like, oh yeah, we can do it. Oh yeah. no! It, it was a tech demo for PS3. Oh yeah, that, that's right. It was PS3. That pissed people the hell off, and people still make fun of that. Even though we have an actual remake now, people still make fun of that because I remember that moment. I think I saw it on uh, G4. If I really want to date myself, um, oh yeah, I watched they, G4 as well. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I remember seeing it was at an E3. And like, oh my god, they're remaking Final Fantasy VII, and I was like, oh, tech demo for PS3. That's cute and then they like tw- they twist the knife deeper i think in like 2014 i believe 2014 or 2015 where they announced that final fantasy 7 was coming back as the the pc version playable on ps4 yay uh-huh. yeah it, it was the playstation game in the late 90s there was a there was a pc version as well which technically was better but yeah they ported that to ps4 rather than doing a remake as like a downloadable mm-hmm. title and people were like this isn't what we wanted like yeah. why, why are you not understanding this yeah. uh, but speaking of remakes and kind of bringing it back in there's been an on again off again horseshit about remaking the original Mortal Kombat trilogy and some have joked like oh well the, the 2011 game was a remake because you had all the Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3 characters and they're all CG blah 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 no that's not what we mean that's not what we mean like the original game style gameplay and all that but remastered and you know and such like it got so far if you look hard enough online you can see photos not even test photos but photos of them starting to film actors like the old days in front of a green screen (laughs) that's how close we got to like an hd remake of the mortal kombat trilogy and it's funny because this spilled out thanks to a makeup artist who worked on it and sure enough like what was crazy is each actor was going to wear the different costumes depending on one which game you were playing. Like, they showed the actor who played Liu Kang with both long hair and short hair. It's like, oh, so they're having him do both Mortal Kombat 2 and Mortal Kombat 3. And then the actress who played Sonya, she had a version of the Mortal Kombat 1 costume and she had a version of the Mortal Kombat 3 costume. Funny enough, though, since they were shooting in front of a green screen and Sonya wears green, they gave her a blue costume. They're just going to change it to green in, in post. Um, which, to be fair, when they did Mortal Kombat 3, almost all the characters ironically except for Sonya had red costumes because apparently that was easier to change the palette in post while they Mm. shot in front of a blue screen but yeah so they were literally filming actors in front of a green screen to do a remake and it got cancelled I'm like 
are you fucking kidding me? Like, I would have loved <laughs> that shit. I, I love, like, retro stuff remastered. Because, yeah, the, the yeah. Mortal Kombat 2011 game is... It's not a remake-remake, because essentially what that game is... It's a retelling. It's definitely a retelling that still acknowledges the original timeline. They, yeah. It's it's like the 2009 Star Trek. Yeah, this timeline was a thing, but this is now the new timeline, because... The it's beginning- a pure example of, in a sequel for a film, it's like uh, somebody says, oh, here we go again... Well, it's kind of like that. Well, it's funny because I haven't played the Final Fantasy VII remake, but apparently from what I've heard, Sephiroth is aware that it's a retelling of a story, but the other characters yeah. aren't. So that's kind of yeah. interesting, too. But yeah, the opening of the 2011 Mortal Kombat is the ending of Armageddon, and it comes down to Raiden and Shao Kahn, and Shao Kahn's about to kill him, and Raiden just sends a message to his past self saying, he must win. And then it cuts to the beginning of the first Mortal Kombat game. And then it's sort of like a butterfly effect from there and how things change right. over what would have been the original three games. I wouldn't call that a remake because the gameplay is different. It's on a 2D plane, but the gameplay still feels different. Um, it's a slightly different storyline. I just want remakes of the first three games. And what's funny is there are a couple other variations that were canceled as well. Like there was leak art of like not digitized actors, but they had like 3D sprites, kind of like Killer Instinct where they mm-hmm. just, like, pre-rendered characters on a 2D plane, but, like, semi-photorealistic. It's like, you know what? I would accept that, too. I, I get if you're not going to have the actors, because it's very 90s, like Street Fighter the movie, the game, because that was a thing. Um, <laughs> I remember that. But, but, um, but no, I mean, I just anything. Like, some of the elements that I've seen from these attempted remakes, they look really good. And, and my nostalgic ass would totally throw money at, you know, PS4 or even PS5 at this point, whatever it would come out for. But the latest thing, I think, was either from the end of last year or the beginning of this year, where there was a rating on, I think it might have been like the European ratings board, where there was like a Mortal Kombat HD collection, something or other, that was rated. And then within a week, it was taken down. And everybody was like, what, what, what was that? <laughs> and like of course all the the mk fan sites were talking about that I was like is a farley going to be a thing again or did like somebody just not do their job right uh because we haven't seen or heard anything else it's really weird like everything else mortal kombat has been about mk11 and, M- and mk11 aftermath um but yeah so going back to mk versus dc though because obviously i can go off onto all the mortal kombat tangents um yeah i uh, with the story mode thing that we mentioned earlier it, it ain't good it's it's no very it's much, bad <laughs> yeah like like you mentioned with like, the graphics it's the a logic case of, of it is is terrible oh yeah like once again growing pains in my opinion this is the first yeah. time they tried doing like an actual story mode not to say that mortal Kombat didn't have a story yeah. but the problem is with your typical arcade fighter mortal Kombat, street fighter any of them when you beat the game you have an ending that may be canon partially canon or not canon at all uh and that's just been a thing throughout any fighting game franchise because you know if you think about it when you have a character beat the final boss the storyline is going to be completely different it's like oh Liu kang was the winner johnny cage was the winner scorpion was the winner um so yeah it's very strange it was like okay so what was really canon what wasn't and typically you wouldn't know what was canon in one game until the next game came out it's like mm-hmm. with Mortal Kombat 2, that established what was actually canon from the end of the first game. Like, for example, being partially canon, Scorpion's ending. Did Scorpion win the tournament? No. Did he kill Sub-Zero? Yes. Like, it's things like that. Did Liu Kang win the tournament? Yes. You know, that's canon, things like that. Uh, but, you know, then other things we didn't know until the next game. Oh, Goro apparently was killed. 
okay. Like, you didn't know about that. So that was always a weird thing about fighting games and trying to have a story. But when you finally have a story mode, you can finally tell the story. You have a canon ending. Uh, and it's funny, too, because, like, when you play games now, you know, like the, the newer Mortal Kombat games, like the Injustice games, you can still have a non-canon or semi-canon arcade ladder ending, but the story mode ending you know is the real one. Um but that being said, with MK vs. DC, yeah, it was that typical, like, oh, we need a reason to fight each other. The rage thing is getting me, and I need to yeah. punch you in the nose. Um, Even just the logic of why it all starts is just like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. So Superman caused it by shooting the boom tube at, at Apocalypse was standing in, and that caused the universe to collapse? Uh, okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, sure. I, it's like, I, I just, think... It, does, it also doesn't help that the DC characters are massively overpowered compared to the Mortal Kombat characters. Oh God, yeah. It doesn't yeah, it, mean, like that's that's immediately a problem. Like I can understand Marvel versus Capcom. Like the characters are e- kind of evenly matched. Yeah. But with this, it's like Superman literally could just kill everybody himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's funny enough, I feel like that was the inspiration for Injustice as well because you have that one universe in Injustice where Superman has gone evil after he killed Joker. Yeah, that's and, the crux and, of the story is that he's evil, yeah. Exactly. And the reason so, you're able to fight him is because the sun is red and the red sun depowers him. There this you go. is like the example is, oh, well, the magic users, the Superman is weak to magic, therefore only magic users can, can fight him. But it's like... He can still kill off everybody else and then just leave the magic users <laughs> for everybody else. Yeah, obviously something really, they didn't really think through. I mean, when yeah. you're dealing with your own storyline, it's one thing. When you're trying to cross paths like that, trying to find a reason why it actually happened and not just feeling like a gimmick is the trickiest part. And obviously they didn't stick that landing. And that, that's the easiest thing to make fun of. But just the fact that they even attempted, you know, a story mode with chapters, I think it kind of stuck in the back of their minds. They're like, you know what? If we actually get back to mainline Mortal Kombat, maybe we can apply that to our games as well. And then sure enough, their next five games after MK vs. DC have all had story modes. And a lot of people to this day now say that despite how clunky the mk vs dc story mode was nether realm is pretty much considered to be like top tier when it comes to fighting game story modes because now other companies are trying to do that yeah. ironically enough with street fighter 5 uh when that came out that the game had a lot of i don't want to say controversy but there was definitely a lot of hiccups when street fighter 5 came out like a lot of people said that it was a shell of a game when it first came out like it there was no standard arcade ladder like mm-hmm. that that's just the common f- mandatory aspect of a fighting game in my opinion it's like you you have all these characters let them play through a ladder of like 8 10 plus characters and get an ending that's how it's been for years i mean i would, i don't want to i don't know street fighter 2 might have been the first one to have like actual endings because if you actually beat the original street fighter which is a feat in and of itself because the that game is horribly broken um it's your typical, like, oh, congratulations, you beat the game. Here's all the people who worked on the game. Bye. Uh, th- <laughs> thanks for the quarters. Uh, but yeah, Street Fighter 2, off the top of my head, was one of the first ones that had, like, actual endings. Um, but that's the thing. It's like Street Fighter Five didn't have that. Like, you had online. They, they put all their money on, like, oh, people just want to compete with each other online. It's like, you might have some people that just don't feel like dealing with dipshits that they've never met online and just want to play a game when they're bored, you yeah. know, go through an arcade mode, like give us some fucking one player mode shit. This isn't call of duty. This is street fighter. Let me just play by myself at two in the morning. 
just to get through a ladder. And but then, you know, when they're doing all these updates, they finally did a proper arcade mode. Like, you know what else we can do? Netherrealm's doing all those story modes and all their games. We should do that, too. I never got through the Street Fighter V story mode, but I heard from a lot of people. They're like, it was all right. It's not a Netherrealm story mode, though. Like, that was the thing. Like, now people are like, oh, is it like a Netherrealm story mode? Because I like those. I hope it's not like a Capcom story mode. Yeah. Well, the Mar- story the story mode of Street Fighter is no it, the story of Street Fighter is nowhere near as dynamic or interesting as Mortal Kombat. No. Mortal Kombat feels much more grand and operatic at times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. even with the first game, they already started planting seeds for their characters. Uh, Street Fighter Two. When you play through Street Fighter Two, it's it's very disjointed as to what the motivations are. They tried to fix that in future games. Uh, yeah. Specifically the Street Fighter Alpha series. Like, I feel like those were a little more story heavy, but it was almost like they were trying to backpedal at that point. Because once you get to like Street Fighter 3, you're not really sure what's going on. And then, yeah, Street Fighter 4, which also tried to fix that. So, yeah, story has been a little more muddled when it comes to you know the Street Fighter series. Um, like, even like the timeline's very wonky with Street Fighter. Like, if I'm not mistaken, apparently the timeline for the Street Fighter series is Street Fighter 1, the Street Fighter Alpha Trilogy, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 5, Street Fighter 3. Apparently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it hurts. Like, even with Mortal oh. Kombat in the reboot, you can still go from the very first game from 92 all the way to now, and it still works. Because, like I said, at the beginning of the reboot... It goes back on itself. You can start there if you want, and that actually works just as well. But you could also start all the way from the true beginning all the way through now, and it still works. Street Fighter, you're like, okay, so Bison is bad. Sagat doesn't like Ryu. Ryu and Ken are best buds, but also like their biggest challengers. Uh, Chun-Li and Guile don't like Bison because he killed people that they cared about. Um... Blanca has electricity and Zangief, <laughs> Zangief fights bears. Um, so what does Yokozuna want? <laughs> Yokozuna. Uh, yeah, e- e- Honda and Dalsim. Um, yeah, that was that's the thing. It's like, hey, let's make a movie about these characters. Not impossible, but should have taken a little more time than what we got in 94. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, uh, I actually just said recently that the best film adaptation we've had of Street Fighter so far was the animated movie. Yeah, like it. It's still a bit of a long shot, but compared to the two live action films we got, yeah, no, the animated film is still much better and feels more like it actually involves the game. Like it feels more genuine. Like I actually was rewatching uh, the what happened about Street Fighter the movie, the game, but it's also the whole episode is like a half and half. Half it's about what happened with the game adaptation. But half is also about what happened with the film adaptation that became the game adaptation. Uh, and it's, it's so interesting. Like, the backstory of that film and the game that came from it are just so bizarre, but so interesting as well. Um, but yeah, I you can do a Street Fighter movie. You just need to very carefully plan that shit out. Especially if you're going to cram in all 16 Super Street Fighter 2 characters in your movie. Um that's the thing with Mortal Kombat. That's another reason why Annihilation didn't do so well. Because they're like, hey, we need everyone. Except for Cabal and Striker. We're just going to mention their names. Um, <laughs> but we have Rain. Yay. 
Uh, even though he just started as a joke in the attract mode of Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Um, yeah, I just... that that That's... Mm. Yeah, the, the the late 90s were weird for Mortal Kombat, but even the 2000s were a little clunky. I think the 2000s were basically Mortal Kombat trying to regain its footing until 2011 when it finally did. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird road to get to uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, if it wasn't for that game, we wouldn't have, you know, the five highly rated fighting games that we have now the three mortal Kombat's after and the two injustice games and i'd be shocked if nether realms next game is not injustice 3 i still haven't finished two i mean i've obviously finished the mortal Kombat games but what i had played of injustice 2 i enjoyed uh, and once again you see each game looking better each time like they just keep honing their skills and you know even like the the more like top tier fighting game players out there who used to like scoff at like the PS2 era of Mortal Kombat games, they really get into the newer ones because they feel more competitive. They feel like, you know, whether you're a casual fighting game fan or like a serious tournament fighter, you can get into it. And I think that's the best thing you can do for a fighting game. And MK vs. DC was still during the time where you're like, yeah, this shit ain't competitive. Not even close. It's basically just for for shits and giggles. Um... So I didn't regret my purchase back then, even though I knew even in 2008 that it was it was off. It was a little off, <laughs> but, you know, it, it was still dumb fun, even if it was kind of shallow. And that was the other biggest issue with this game is that compared to like Mortal Kombat Deception and Armageddon, where you had like all these bonus modes like um, chess combat and motor combat. Um, and what were some of the other ones? They had like a, a, a puzzle combat, which was basically like a super puzzle fighter. Um, yeah, like all those things were just missing in MK versus DC. You had the arcade ladder and the story modes. Although, to be fair, you had two separate story modes. You had MK or DC, which I thought was a nice little touch. That's actually one thing they haven't tried since. Is like, hey, what if we had a story mode that focuses on heroes? And what if we had one that focuses on villains or something like that? Um, but still, you know, it, they, they gave it a shot. It was the the death knell for Midway. Um, but hey, it gave birth to NetherRealm Studios, which... Hasn't really had a shitty game yet, and, you know, knock on wood, hopefully uh, Injustice 3 or whatever their next title will be, probably for PS5, uh, and whatever they're calling the next Xbox, Xbox Series X.2 Alpha, (laughs) Omega Hamilton, I don't know, Um, whatever they're going to call it. Um, Like, every day there's some other news story as to the different versions of the next xbox like ps5 i feel like we know everything but the release date and price but the xbox are like well you've got this but you might also have that and it might also be this thing and maybe it's digital and maybe it's not you'll never know because we're just gonna wait for sony to say something before we say anything because we've learned the hard way (laughs) so it's like hey we're gonna come out and talk first and say our price and then sony's gonna come out and kneecap us so we'll wait for them to give everything away but would you, uh, yeah, would you I, ever would you ever recommend anybody actually play this game? Because <sighs> looking at it, it's like it seems so shallow compared to the other ones. Like it's not worth it. As a curiosity piece, yes, I, I say for shits and giggles, give the story mode a whirl. Arcade mode, for the most part, isn't really worth it in that game. Story mode is definitely more entertaining, just because you can see like the birth of NetherRealm story modes, as clunky as it is, and as like wonky as the story is. Um, 
as a curiosity piece, yes. Is it very replayable? No. Like, I feel like I'd probably go back and play, like, Mortal Kombat Deception before I would play MK vs. DC again. Um, obviously, I would play any of the, the newer Mortal Kombats again before I would play that one again. Uh, right. Any of the, uh, the, the NetherRealm trio so far. Um, but, yeah, MK vs. DC is just a very interesting footnote um, in the uh, the history of the franchise, and I know I'm a broken record, but I'm just gonna keep calling it the uh, the necessary evil of the franchise because seriously, if it wasn't for this, who the hell knows what would have happened with the MK franchise? Mortal Kombat Armageddon was almost considered to be the last Mortal Kombat game. I mean, hence the title, and hence you know what story it had. It's like, hey, this is the end all be all. This is the final battle. This is why we have literally every character in this game. Um, so yeah, it's kind of weird to think that that could have been the last Mortal Kombat. And, you know, and then that was the other kind of tricky thing, too. And that was another reason why when MK vs. DC came out, I was a little irked because not at the prospect of it being potentially a T-rated game, which obviously it was, uh, but also the fact that we weren't getting a continuation of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Because there are also rumors before it came out that they were already planning on doing a reboot. And there was even, a, like, a little bit of artwork that kind of leaked out. Like, if you look online, you I, I can't remember the name of the artist who worked on it, but there are, there are photos of uh, Raiden, Scorpion, Kano, and Sonya uh, for this proposed uh, reboot of Mortal Kombat right before MK vs. DC came out. Like, I think it was around 2007. Uh, in fact, I think if you look up that um, What Happened video about MK vs. DC, they do briefly uh, talk about that, and they show the artwork. And, yeah, it looked pretty interesting. I, I like the design that they gave Raiden. Uh, it was actually kind of akin to... Uh, Lightning from Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, his suit is, st- is still like the white suit, but it's more flowing. Definitely looks more godlike. Uh, the hat's very big. He just looks very menacing, even though Raiden obviously is more of like a, a hero in the franchise at this point. Right. Uh, but still look- looked really promising. Scorpion actually looked like a demon from hell, but with like the, the yellow draped cloth over the, the worn uh, ninja attire. Um I, I mean, I think where we've gone now still worked well, but considering that that's what I was hoping the next Mortal Kombat would be before we got MK versus DC, I was just like, oh, okay, well, I'll give it a shot. Not what I was hoping, but meh, we'll give it a shot. Hmm. But yeah, that, I think that was my biggest issue. Like, yeah. I was expecting a continuation because if you think about it, it took much like MK4 to MK Deadly Lions, it took um, five years to get from Armageddon to the 2011 game because Armageddon came out in 2006 and we didn't get the reboot MK9, MK2011, whatever you want to call it until obviously 2011. Uh, Funny enough, I remember the launch trailer for the game was in, I think, April or so. April, it was like April or June of 2010 and there's no release date at the time. Apparently they were aiming for a Christmas release because they were just used to like fall or right before Christmas. Uh, But then they were so shocked when Warner Brothers Games gave them more time to work on the game. They're like, oh, really? Oh, cool. Because they weren't used to that because Midway would always rush them for a fall release. But with this one, like, yeah, we, we feel like it's not going to be what we want if we don't get, like, a few more months. And they're like, oh, okay. And so uh-huh. they gave them more time, and it came out April 2011, and it, at the time, it was the best-selling Mortal Kombat game. And each subsequent Mortal Kombat game since then has surpassed the previous. So apparently MK11 is now the best-selling Mortal Kombat game. Yeah. Which is insane considering that that franchise is creeping on 30 years old. <laughs> it's like that meme that you see on Facebook. Feel old yet? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I didn't start playing Mortal Kombat until 93 because 
I think the very first ones that were in arcades in like October, November 92 were probably more in the Chicago area where they were making the game. Uh, maybe New York and Los Angeles, but didn't really start creeping out into other arcades until like early 93. But even then, I really didn't know much about it. Um, my family didn't really take me to the arcades too, too often when I was younger, outside of like going to Ocean City or something on the boardwalk. Uh, maybe if there were arcades at like a movie theater or something, but typically I wasn't going to like an arcade arcade, at least until I was like in my like early teens and like maybe like 11 or 12, because I remember playing Mortal Kombat 4 at Annapolis Mall when I was like 12 years old. Um, and hell, oh, I yeah, even played... Oh yeah, the Tilt Arcade? <laughs> oh yeah, Tilt. I love Tilt. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that, was there, that was there for about 13 years. That was from like 93 until uh, 2006. Um, and then it became a cell phone store. Yep, AT&T, because Annapolis Mall needed two of those. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually remember the last weekend I went there, I think, ironically, was the weekend that the Silent Hill movie came out, and I went to Tilt, and uh-huh. then... And then I think, like, a week later, it was gone. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, no warning, nothing. They didn't even try to sell the games. Because the funny thing about Tilt was that every Christmas, they would actually have price tags on the games. Like, if you felt so inclined and had the money and the room, you could buy an arcade cabinet. I thought that was crazy. Um, So, yeah, I think it was, like, around 10 years old, my parents started to feel a little more comfortable about, you know, taking me to the arcades on the weekend. Um, But it was funny, in Bowie, we actually had Sportland USA, which actually had Mortal Kombat 3 and 2 for a while. Um, So I was like, oh, wow, I can play the arcade versions of these games, like, down the street from where I live. Um, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, my my first exposure to Mortal Kombat, I remember exactly what it was. It was the July 93 issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly. Uh, it was confusing because it was meant to be a multi-page article hyping up the console release, or console releases, of the first Mortal Kombat. But a lot of the coverage was actually talking about the arcade version. And, was you know, this the cover that had uh, Goro on the, to- on the front? Yeah, it was it was the artwork by John Tobias on the front with Goro at the top, and then most of the other characters like on the side of a mountain had Kano, uh, right. Scorpion, Sub Zero. Um, but yeah, I remember that issue. Like, I didn't know what the hell Mortal Kombat was. I just liked the magazine, and I think at that time I was probably more excited over the fact that it mentioned Final Fight Two on the cover than Mortal Kombat because I didn't know what the hell Mortal Kombat was. Uh, but just going through all these pages, I was just like, wow, this is this looks very different for a video game these look like real people and oh my god that person just lost their head oh my god there's blood everywhere you know as as a not quite eight-year-old it kind of like blew my mind that this was in a video game um but yeah so i was kind of curious like oh cool it's gonna come out for super nintendo i'll have to try that little did i realize that that would quickly become the most infamous version of mortal kombat Mm-mm. um Although, to be fair, both the Super Nintendo and Genesis versions were infamous for different reasons. The Super Nintendo one was just because this was before the ESRB existed, but if it did at that time, that definitely would have been rated T for T. Because Nintendo was so strict with their games and what you could and couldn't do that there was no blood. All the blood was converted into sweat, which looked weird because, like, it didn't knock off, like, normal sweat it would just kind of like dissipate into the air it looked really weird um and like half the fatalities were changed some were actually pretty innovative um like raiden rather than zapping your head full of electricity and making it explode he would zap your entire body with electricity causing the skeleton to turn to ash and the skull to land into the pile so mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh, okay, they actually put some effort into this. Um, Sub-Zero's actually sort of ended up being recreated in Mortal Kombat 2 with Sub-Zero's censored fatality. He would freeze you, 
jump up and then smash the body into ice cubes, basically. And they kind of recreated that in MK2, but obviously in a much more M-rated way, where you actually saw guts and shit flying out. Uh, but it worked for Super Nintendo. But the less said about um, Johnny Cage's altered fatality, the better. Uh, where basically he, like, sticks his foot to your chest and pulls it out, and you fall over, <laughs> but there's, like, no blood or anything. Sure. Yeah, it looks, um, like, a, it looks like a glitch. Yeah, it really does. Like, they didn't really program it well. And then with Kano's, it looks like he sticks his hand in your chest, and he pulls nothing out. So I'm like, y'all couldn't think of something else? I just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Goddamn. Um, and what's funny is, then you have the Genesis version, which, like I said, was infamous for different reasons. A-B-A-C-A-B-B. Um, in which, obviously, you had the blood code. And even though it was technically rated MA-13, because, of course, Sega had their own rating system at the time that code would essentially make the game MA-17. And parents, of course, are freaking out because they're like, I didn't know that's what I bought, little Timmy. Oh, my God. Think of the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we had all the Senate hearings, Mortal Kombat, and Night Trap, and all that shit that you can find, like, hundreds of videos about on YouTube. Uh, some of it's interesting. Some of it's redundant. But, um, yeah, Mortal Kombat was the birth of the ESRB, basically. Although not really until, like, late 94. Because I remember when Mortal Kombat 2 came out on Super Nintendo the rating system wasn't quite in place yet, not for a few more months. So the Super Nintendo version actually has its own warning on the label saying not intended for anyone under 17 years of age or something like that. It wouldn't be until Mortal Kombat 3 that they would finally start getting the SRB ratings for the console releases, and boom, rated M for Mature. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so Fall 93 was essentially when I started playing Mortal Kombat for the first time. So I've been playing almost from the beginning, just shy of a year. Um... And, yeah, it's been very interesting to see the highs and lows almost from the beginning of this franchise. You know, whether it's the games, movies, TV shows. Um, and, you know, we, we we're hopefully still going to get the um, the reboot film next year, which they did say is going to be rated R. Uh, and I don't think any DC characters in sight, so we should be fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's Warner Brothers, but come on now. Um, I can understand that, Snyder's <laughs> versions of those DC characters crossing was, over Mortal Kombat. I was about to say, it's like not to say that DC hasn't already had R-rated films. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where the uh, the franchise goes from this point. Um, yeah, MK11, I know you said you kind of like gave up on, but I kind of went through the rest of it. Um, I, got, I got stuck on the Chronica boss at the very end. I was like, yeah, I give up. Yeah, the, the story mode version of Chronica, she's already a little cheap in the arcade ladder, but... A little yeah, she's, cheap. <laughs> well, compared to the story mode version, story mode version's even worse, but here's the kicker. There's also, like, different endings that you can get, depending upon how well or shitty you do against her. It took me a little while, but it also gave me flashbacks to how cheap, like, MK2 and 3 used to be in the arcade. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was referred to as uh, rubber, rubber banding. Basically, yeah, the, that... the AI would snap back if you were doing well, and they would just beat the crap out of you. Which is why, in Mortal Kombat 2 and the arcade, they give you, what, nine continues? Uh, no, no. What, the arcade... what, which one was it? Was it 3? Like, one of those games gave you, like, a bunch of continues in order to keep going. Well, not in the arcade, because the arcade just wants your money. Oh, no, consoles... no, no it's, it was consoles. Yeah, that's right, yeah, because the they con- knew the game was basically broken. <laughs> well, it's funny, because I know the Super Nintendo version of MK2 actually had codes that you could put in uh, to either, like, jump ahead to, like, Kentaro or Shao Kahn. Uh, 30 Continues was one of the codes as well. Uh, but what's great is, like, it wasn't one and done. Like, if you were down to, like, your last two Continues, you could put the code in again and bump it back up to 30. Um, but what's funny is, like, as cheap as the enemies can get... Uh, I know some people have showed on YouTube, like, 
there are ways that you can like reverse break the game rather than a game breaking on you you can break it back on them by like doing very mundane moves rather than like using all your skill base um on like a competitive side of a fighting game just do like redundant jump kick shit on some mm-hmm. characters like like Kentaro I think like there's a certain way where if you like jump back and jump forward and kick like he'll just keep walking into it rather than actually trying to fight him so because like it kind of like fucks with the AI basically it's like wait th- this isn't what he's supposed to be doing what's going on um so yeah sometimes you can actually take advantage of it uh, I can't always remember so sometimes I get my ass handed to me but yeah Chronica I got a little bit of a flashback to that but uh, but no I, I I got through the rest of it and what's funny is the way the storyline ends before aftermath um it seemed like i don't want to say it was going to reboot again but it definitely lifted up for um the future being a blank campus yeah however aftermath on the other hand i haven't played through that yet just because i'm being stubborn and i don't want to spend another 40 dollars on a game that i've already spent 100 bucks on uh why am i not surprised (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, to be it, it is one of those things where I've seen both sides of the coin with how much goes into it. Because to be fair, it's not like Street Fighter Cross Tekken where all the quote-unquote DLC was already on the disc. Obviously, they're still working on the game even after it's been released. So you're basically paying for their work. So it's a matter of, do you want instant gratification? Do you want to pay for something and get it as soon as possible? Or do you want to wait a year and save a bunch of money? It depends on how big of a fan you are, basically. For, like, casual yeah. fans, yeah. When a game's going to come out, I'd say just wait a year. Like, if you're not going to play it till then anyway, just wait a year. But if you're like me, you just want to play it, like, ASAP, I'm going to get it right away. So, but, you know. Yeah, so at least you get that option. It's not like they'll wait a year and then release it for 140 bucks. Um, so I, I've played as, you know, most of the, the DLC characters before Aftermath. Like, I haven't haven't played as Robocop yet or Fujin or, you know, any of them. But I do appreciate that they didn't make the DLC characters story-focused in Aftermath. Um, because usually DLC characters don't really play a part in the story mode because, you know, obviously they come in later. Uh, but yeah, Fujin, Shang Tsung, Nightwolf, they actually play an important factor in Aftermath. I haven't actually, since I haven't bought it yet, I haven't gone through the story mode myself, but I heard that it, it does take the story into an interesting place. And that's the other thing, too, because MK11 was the first time that they took a story mode and actually added chapters by DLC. They had never done that before. Because, you know, with MK versus DC being the first story mode or the first MK to have a story mode, MK11 was first more like, hey, you know what? We can probably make more chapters. And they're like, oh shit, hey, let's do that. Because, you know, the MK reboot, MKX, all the DLC was really just, you know, characters and costumes. Which is fine, you know, characters especially. But with Aftermath, they're like, you know what? We can just keep adding to the game. We can just keep adding more of the story. And what's funny is, that's how games like Grand Theft Auto Five just stick around forever. Yeah, that's they just why. keep adding in more DLC content. I mean, they wish they'd add some single-player yeah. stuff, but they always keep adding on to multiplayer. Exactly. That's that's the thing. You know, it's once again, it, it comes down to what makes money, and I think that's why, like, the single-player aspect sorely gets overlooked. That's how we end up with vanilla Street Fighter V. But, you know, NetherRealm's smart. They know it works for multiplayer online and what works for the single player experience that's i think that's why these are so successful because they offer a lot for the single player experience but hey if you want to go online too we have these things as well which is smart like if you only cater to one or the other you're gonna have a hard time 
uh, like really really selling it. But you know, then you have Grand Theft Auto Five, like I said, which started on PS3 and is going all the way into PS5. Um, I can't really think of too many games that have done that. It's not even like they're just porting the game over. They're just they're just constantly still adding on to it. That yeah. I've never seen. I mean, yeah, like the Resident Evil games have constantly been ported over to each generation, but especially especially Resident Evil Four. That yes. game is every new new console. That game gets ported over, even though it's way Absolutely. out of date at this point. Well, that's the funny thing. They they've been having rumors about potentially remaking that one, but at the same time, I'm thinking, why? Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's like that was like, the why? game that kind of. That was the game that introduced the gameplay for most of the Resident Evil games since. Like, yeah. you know, even the two and three remakes have that over-the-shoulder style. So the only thing I can think of is it wouldn't be a remake in the vein of two or three where you've done it from the ground up. I think it would just have to be like a very well-polished remaster. Not yeah, like just dump it into an, but They dump it into an up-res machine and it just looks really good. Well, not even that because that, that's already kind of what they're game. already doing. I mean, yeah. they've already been uprising it since then because, you know, the version on PS4, yeah, like it's in true HD. Hell, the PS4 Pro probably even can do it in 4K, but you're also using old textures, so that's the trouble. I mean, it's like, it's a 50-50 thing, so I feel like it would probably have to be a remake to 4 in the vein that the Resident Evil remake was to the original PlayStation Resident Evil and that the gameplay is the same, the layout is similar, maybe a few changes here and there, but really, it's just a, a really nice new coat of paint. Like, I know yeah. that the term new coat of paint can be, you know, a little more of an insult or a negative. But in this case, it's like, yeah, there's only so much you can do. Just use the the new RE engine to make it look better. That's all you can really do with it. Two and yeah. three, I got that. You know, you're kind of doing it from the ground up. Four, new coat of paint. Basically, you just want four to look good in between the three remake and five. That's basically what you're doing at this point. Yeah. Um, but it's at the same time, you know, there are rumors about doing a remake of that. And I'm sitting here like, so I guess we're f- just going to forget about Code Veronica, the game that actually started life as Resident Evil 3. Yeah, that would be okay. really nice to see a remake of that because that game kind of is half and half for me. Starts out great, but it kind of falls off halfway through. Yeah, I've played chunks of it. I never actually got through the whole thing of it, but um, the, but the story thing is, is, story is so awful. It's so well. It's bad. funny because yeah, like the the story behind that game is the fact that it was going to be Resident Evil Three Code Veronica on the Dreamcast. Yeah, but then Sony was like, um, wait a minute, uh, y'all y'all can't do that. We we have the exclusivity to the numbered Resident Evil games. Y'all y'all can't do that. You can make a Resident Evil game, you just can't call it three. Yeah, and they're like, okay, because yeah, Capcom was working on. Resident Evil um, Nemesis, not three, just Resident Evil Nemesis or yeah. Biohazard Last Escape. Like, it wasn't meant to be a numbered game. It was meant to be a side story to two. And then they're like, well, shit, what do we do? I know. We'll just drop the number from Code Veronica and put it on Nemesis slash yeah. Last Escape. So that's why that one doesn't really feel like a sequel. It's just a side story. While Code Veronica, despite not having a number, is like the true sequel to two. Yeah, um, that's what but- keeps the story going. Yeah, so it's kind of unusual that they're like, well, I guess we'll just go to 4. Like, I know everybody loves 4. I've beaten 4, but it, I, I've always had, like, a, a double-edged sword approach to that one because, like, yeah, 4 was great, but it's not it Resident also Evil. caused... <laughs> no, like, it's Resident Evil enough, but it also caused it to steer off in 5 and 6. Yeah, So and the less said that, about 6, the better. <laughs> that's true, that's true, too. But that's why I was a little skittish when two, the, the, the 2 remake was going to do it over the shoulder. I'm like, oh, God, they're going to action it up, aren't they? And I was like, no, it's actually probably one of the creepier Resident Evil games. Like, they knew how to meld the 2. And, like... You also quickly learn in Resident Evil 2, the remake, that 
if you don't have to kill something, save your ammo and just get the hell out of there. Yep. Um, which was a big departure from you know, like four, five, and six. It's like, hey, what do you know? Survival horror. But hey, obviously this episode isn't about my other favorite gaming franchise. It's about my original game favorite gaming franchise, Mortal Kombat. More specifically, MK versus DC. But like you asked, is it worth playing? Well, uh, the other thing I was thinking about is if you have a working PS3 and Xbox 360, sure, I'm, uh, you could probably get it for cheap as hell. But I haven't had a working PS3 in almost five years. So, <laughs> I mean, but, you could probably download it from like the PlayStation Store if you have a PS4. You know, uh, I I don't know if they have that because I know a lot of the PS3 stuff on PS4 is like streaming, and I've only ever done that. Like, I think I did that with Final Fight Double Impact years ago, and it was odd. It, it felt. I don't know. I felt like I was hacking into someone's computer and it had lag. It just felt weird. <laughs> and that that was from like a 2D fighting game from 1989. So I can only imagine what people are trying to play MK versus DC on there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't try to port that over in some capacity um, as like a digital game. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to buy a physical copy of MK versus DC on PS4 or <laughs> Xbox One. Um <clears throat> So I ain't got to hold my breath on that. But well, I think um, the biggest problem is that there's like, who's the audience? Yeah, like, exactly. Mortal Kombat fans want the want the graphic violence and the extreme yep. brutal, brutal moves. But you don't get that because the DC characters are in there. And DC, char- DC Comics people don't like it because it's crossover with Mortal Kombat and it's a fighting game, which doesn't really fit the characters. So you know what this is? It's, 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 it's the ex- like, who's the audience? It's the Expendables 3 situation. Yeah. You're alienating your core audience by introducing an element to try to bring in another audience that probably isn't really that interested. Because mm-hmm. Expendables 3, hey, let's make this PG-13 so more people can see it. Okay, well, now you're going to piss off the people that enjoy the, you know, 80s-style R-rated action film. And you're going to bring in these other characters that nobody cares about to try to bring in a younger audience who just doesn't care to begin with. Yeah. No. So yeah, it was pretty much the same thing with your audience to the point where they're not even there anymore. (laughs) Oh yeah, hell no. And it's just like, as a Mortal Kombat fan, you know, I was the type who was like, I'm just gonna play anything Mortal Kombat. This is why I played Mortal Kombat Mythologies and Mortal Kombat Special Forces. Um, But yeah, it was. I think even in 2008, that was the question. It was like, who is this for? And I can't remember what review it was I read where they said it seemed like a delayed response to Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of was. It, it, it really was. I mean, that game felt more natural than this one. This one really felt much more gimmicky. And yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like it would have been interesting to see them attempt a return to like the 2D style artwork for MK versus DC just see what would have happened not necessarily digitized I don't know it just would have been interesting but you know it felt like a repackaged like Deadly Alliance Deception Armageddon style game um and yeah I don't know it was just it was an interesting experiment a necessary evil um if it's easily accessible to you to play give it a whirl just for shits and giggles but I wouldn't try to find like a used refurbished PS3 or Xbox 360 and a copy of the game to play it. Yeah. At that um, point, just go to YouTube and watch a playthrough. Pretty much. Yeah. That That's your best bet. Go, go watch the story mode or pick an arcade ladder of a specific character. You're good to go. I mean, that's one of the other upsides of YouTube is like, Hey, if you don't have access to this game, you can watch a whole walkthrough. But then again, that's also apparently the reason why the smash brothers games, or at least the, the one for Wii U did not have any, um, cutscenes because like, Oh, once we realized that people could just watch the, the cutscenes from super smash brothers brawl, we, we didn't want to make any for Wii U. 
It's like, but that's a stupid every, excuse. <laughs> yeah, like every that's game's stupid. gonna have a walkthrough. What? No, don't don't do that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's your best bet. If you're curious about the game, go on YouTube, watch the story mode for the hell of it, um, because the gameplay's clunky. I mean, if you enjoy the Deadly Alliance era, sure, that's yeah. fine. Um, but you know, it, it's not top tier Mortal Kombat. It's yeah. not. It's not recent Mortal Kombat. It's not '90s era arcade Mortal Kombat. Uh, it's just the dark ages of Mortal Kombat. It, that's the best way I can put it. Um, you know, 2000 through 2009. It was a weird time for Mortal Kombat. Uh, it, was, it was a weird time for gaming in general. But I think you know they were just trying to survive and see what would stick and what didn't. But hey, like I said, we wouldn't have had you know five far superior fighting games if it weren't for this one meh one I mean that that's one thing I always look at like was this you know mediocre game this mediocre movie this mediocre show you know were these things worth it if it gave us something better and I'm mm. almost always going to say yes you know I'm trying to think of some other examples like film wise but gaming wise this is one where I'm like oh yeah no definitely we needed this right. we needed this game even if I'm not going to play this one it gave us these much better games so yeah, yeah. Well, movie example, uh, you have to suffer through BBS to get to Shazam. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that that works. I, I actually still need to see Shazam. I, I own Shazam thanks to Black Friday last year, but I still need to actually sit and watch it. But yeah, I heard, it's fun. heard a lot of great things about it, so I definitely need to just you know sit and give it a watch. Although now I have HBO Max, which I think it's on there as well anyway. So shit. I, I have all the options to watch it. I have the physical 4K, the digital code on my Voodoo, and HBO Max. So There's literally I, no reason other than your laziness. <laughs> Well, that and the fact that I'm working on all these projects that, as always, oh, well, I, can't yeah, there's, talk, there's I can't talk about for the time being. But yeah. uh, Although, to be fair, one completely unrelated that has been announced, but uh, I don't think there's a release date yet. I'm, I'm currently doing some uh, quality control work for a Blu-ray release, a, a British Blu-ray release of uh, The Master starring Jet Li. So that's actually what I'm going to be doing after this is just popping a squat for an hour and a half and just listening through and making sure there's no, like, cock-ups with the subtitles or things like that. That That's always the interesting thing about doing quality control work on a Blu-ray. Um, it's just, like, watching the subtitles like a hawk, making sure, like, everything was typed correctly and there's no, like, weird slang that doesn't make any sense. Because um, sometimes, like, okay, that spelling looks interesting, but that might just be how that is in the UK versus the US. Right. Uh, like, I'm trying to think of, like, some examples off the top of my head. Like, I think I saw, like, the term cup of, like, cup of tea was spelled C-U-P-P-A. And I had to look that oh, up. It's like, yeah, cuppa. yeah, like cuppa, cuppa. So, like, I had never seen that before. So, I looked up. I was like, "Oh, it, yeah, it, no, it's that's... the way it's the way the accent rolls off the tongue." They say cuppa rather than cup of because they don't pause. Exactly. So, and I looked it up. I was like, "Oh, yeah, so that is like I'm so I'm not going to call that out in the subtitle notes because like there's no point." But that's you know that's typically stuff I have to keep an eye out. Like, is that, is that right? Is that is that how that is? Should should there be that many ellipses there? Is that right? <laughs> you know, it's like like looking at all these things, or if there's any issues with the audio because this one's interesting because I didn't actually work on the Blu-ray in any other capacity. But like, hey, do you want to do some QC work? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> like, and I've never even seen this film. I've heard mixed things about it over the years, um, but it's like old school early 90s uh, Hong Kong produced filmed in America movie which are always fun because they, they tend to have a little more cheese because you tend to have these American actors who aren't really great at acting but they're good at screen fighting so it makes for like a very interesting experience to watch um, so I'm, I'm, I, feel, I feel like I'm going to be pretty amused watching this one mm. uh, but yeah I'm also like doing a deep dive into uh, some restoration work on one that I can't talk about yet uh, can't, can't say who's the star who's releasing it what the film is 
anything because it's not even close to being announced yet um it might come out by the end of the year uh that's all i'm gonna say but yeah that was actually keeping me really busy and a lot of nights where i'm staying up way too late working on it um but that's half my fault like not a lot of deadlines and such but i just want to show that i'm being productive and not just like sitting on something for a week <laughs> so it's like i finished this thing i got about like f- six hours of sleep maybe but it's done nice <laughs> so but yeah so i have to uh survive that watch shazam and not play mortal Kombat versus dc but maybe more <laughs> injustice 2 i i do need to get back to injustice 2 i, I enjoyed it but i kind of got distracted by other things so i might have to give that another one yeah, it's okay it's all right yeah yeah you know, it's, it's it's a it's a fighting game that does its best to try to justify why everyone's fighting <laughs> Eh, as always. Yeah. I mean, it's it's trickier when you have something that doesn't start that way. Like, when you have DC characters, you have to think of a storyline for that. But, you know, Mortal Kombat, where it's basically based out of a fighting tournament, you know, the original game is essentially a supernatural version of Enter the Dragon. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, it's, it's Enter the Dragon mixed with Bloodsport, mixed with Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. and a few, a few other elements, so... Yeah, it's already like ingrained, so there's there's a reason to fight. Um, but yeah, with injustice, it's it's definitely more of a reach, but still entertaining. Yeah. Well, there thank we you, go. Brandon. This we got a Absolutely. good uh, ninety minute episode out of this one. <laughs> you know, you heard I'm it here surprised. from uh, from the expert himself. Should you play this game? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Like like I said, I I can easily say don't play Mortal Kombat Special Forces. Um, oh, that's like a given. <laughs> <laughs> maybe mythologies if you're um, masochistic enough. Uh, but even then, I think you're better off like watching a playthrough online and watching the uh, very corny uh, mid to late '90s full motion videos <laughs> to get the uh, the lore. But even then, there's like some slightly branching pathways that kind of conflict. So that was another thing that was interesting about that game. It's like, hey, it's not completely linear. It's like 80 to 90% linear. But yeah, there are a few branching paths. It's like, oh, will Sub-Zero end up in prison with Shinnok or Scorpion and have to fight Scorpion? Well, I guess it depends on whether or not you killed him. Uh, hey, will Serena come in to save your ass in the uh, the sub-boss battle? Well, that depends on whether or not you killed her. So mm. <laughs> things like that. So I, I kind of miss things like that. I kind of wish that there'd be some branching paths and uh, more story modes. Because I know MK11, it's like, hey, you could pick which character you want to fight as. But to be fair, you could just go back and pick the chapter again and pick the other character. And yeah, you get some like different dialogue, but it doesn't really change the, yeah. the ending outcome. So it's not really choose your own adventure, for lack of a term. But Yeah, it's um, still fairly, fairly linear. Yeah, but still entertaining. Well, I, mean, I think we've uh, reached the end of this episode. Thank you for jumping on for this one, Brandon. Hey, like I said, you know, I, I kind of had to do this one because... Yeah, you're, it's kind of required. <laughs> I mean, and aside from being a Mortal Kombat fan, it's just one... I, I've never seen anybody, like, get angry over this one. Everybody just has, like, the same question that you did at the very beginning. Why? Like, even yeah. 12 years later, we're like... I know why, but why? It's yeah. just, it's one of those games. Like, yeah, this exists. We're not sure why, but here we are. It's an anomaly. But, and that's, you know, oh, yeah. that's what it is. It's a weird-ass game. It's an anomaly. It's just a yeah. thing that happened so that we could get to something <laughs> else. <laughs> Absolutely. Stepping yeah. stone. Yeah, well, uh, I think the next episode is probably going to be Shadow of the Colossus. That's uh, one that Seth really wants to cover. I'm not sure if you've played oh, yeah. the remaster yet for the PS4. Oh, I haven't played either one of them, but that's oh. one I've I've heard of for years, and I feel like I, I need to. Like, I remember, yeah. that was a PS2 game first, right? Wasn't yeah, it? PS2. Yeah, it was yeah, one of the I, games that was, like, 
if you have a PS2, you have to have this game. Oof. Well, it's funny because I think that was the one where, from what I've seen over the years, like, it was so, like... They were pushing the PS2 to its limits. Like, apparently the frame rate would, like, drop like a stone on that game. Oh, God, it's terrible. Like, it, it almost never ran at 60 frames. <laughs> I wow. think it, like, it, it, it usually it would max out at, like, 40, maybe 35, and it would drop hard after that. Yeah, like 15 or so, something yeah, crazy it was like bad. that. It was bad, especially oh, yeah. in the final boss where you have to climb a massive <laughs> tower. It takes, like, an hour to do it. Jesus oh Christ. god, it was terrible. Yeah, it was bad. Well, it's, it's funny. It's, it's things like that that make me wonder, uh, like if anyone's tried to emulate it in such a way to kind of circumvent that issue. It's like, hey, you can play it on this high-powered PC using this ISO of the PS2 game, and it'll actually run the way that they intended it. Yeah, I but, don't. I don't know. I mean, the the remaster fixed the frame rate issues, though. You would think. You would think. I mean, obviously they got to make the graphics look better otherwise. But considering what else we've seen accomplished on mm. PS4 and even PS3, you know, who knows. You know, yeah. look at God of War. So yeah, it's true. But uh, yeah, Bob, give that one. I'm I'm certainly intrigued to uh, give that one a listen. I should definitely uh, look into the uh, PS4 version at least. I know, thankfully I can still play PS2 games, even though I can't play PS3 games. Um, but if I do feel so inclined, I might give the uh, PS4 yeah. version a shot at some point. Well, apparently PS5 is supposed to be backwards compatible with everything. So eventually, once that comes out, I'm sure everybody will grab that. We'll see. I that's what like they rumored. I I don't believe e- them, but that's what's rumored. <laughs> yeah. Every day I've been seeing very conflicting information on the backwards compatibility of PS5. I would like that. Yeah. Like one day they're like, oh, it'll play everything, and, and then the other day it's like, well, t- yes, but you have to stream it on a server. Like, yeah. Mm, what's or- weird is that like the PS3 is backwards compatible with PS1 games, but not PS2 yeah. games. I'm like, what? What? Th- oh, okay. The initial the initial PS3 the fucking $600 PS3 oh, yeah. had hardware in it that could play PS2 games. Yeah. And then they took eventually out. they're like, yeah, because they realized like, okay, hopefully most people still have a PS2 and they can just play that. But yeah, like thankfully every other PS3 would still play PS1. Like for the longest time I was actually using that to play PS1 games because it had its own virtual memory card. Right. So you could just like save you know, all these games rather than like the, the 15 blocks that you had on a regular PS1 card. <laughs> Unless you had and, like a game that required like multiple blocks. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But uh, yeah, the PS3, PS3 was great for PS1 games because they also did like a little bit of upscaling, not too much. Like it didn't look unnatural, but it, it looked a little better than off of a PS1 and you had the extra save. But yeah, when they went to PS4, they're like, yep, PS4, that is it. You get nothing else because PS2 was backwards compatible. Uh, backwards compatible with the first one ps3 initially could do all three and then one and three and i'm thinking okay well we get to four it'll do ps1 as well nope and so now i have no way to play ps3 games so <laughs> well just keep bitch. hanging and, on to them you know in case i'm oh god yeah yeah i i have my my ps3 games in storage right now because there's nothing else i can do with them right now but i was not about to get rid of them right. because you know hopefully at some point i can just pop in the discs again i mean i get the whole virtual gameplay thing but I got them right there. I mean, I know the other thing is everybody's talking about going into digital. I mean, that's also why both the, the next PlayStation, next Xbox are going to have different versions. They're going to have one with a drive. They're going to have one without a drive that's digital only. The thing is, I like having a physical copy because I know I have the game. I bought, I'm the same way. Exactly, because I bought Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game, when it came out 10 years ago for <laughs> PS3. And what a coincidence for watching that tonight. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll be on for that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so I got that game and it was digital only. Like you had no other option. 
taken down from the store, and then a few years later, my PS3 bricked, so there's no way I can play it. Yeah, but the and rumor is that uh, there's going to be a re-release of it pretty soon. Yes, I, I've been hearing about that, but if it's digital only, again, I'm going to throw something. Hopefully, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's primarily digital, but then limited run games could do something for, like, the Switch and PS4. Although, limited run games, while I appreciate that they do physical copies of games, they're not that cheap and they live up to their name of limited run so if you don't get them right away if you hesitate then you just wait to see them for like over 100 bucks on ebay yeah there was a game that came out for the ps3 called uh 3d.heroes which is basically just like zelda with uh weird pixel blocks for the ps3 and you can't get it on the playstation store like a copy of that game if it's not used is like 80 bucks on ebay yeah i mean i think that was like there was like rights issues because it basically is just Zelda. It literally looks like Zelda. Yeah, so you, there you're was kind like of copyright the line there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but even but the still, pricing like, is still very the, the pricing is still very up in the air too with the the PS5 and the Xbox because I know I remember one day like you didn't even think twice. You just left a message saying, "Well, PS5 is going to be seven hundred bucks." Said you went to that Yes Asia link, didn't you? That I don't no, mean I, I don't shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all because yesasia.com, or PlayAsia, excuse me, PlayAsia.com had it, yeah. and they said 700 bucks and it went down. And I think, like, the same week Target had it for, like, 500 So nobody nobody knows. Until Sony says something, nobody yeah. knows. Now there's rumors saying, like, oh, yeah, apparently the wall of the disk drive is going to be 400 and the one digital is going to be, like, 200 Like, you're all full of shit. Like, no. I, I, would, I would bite. $500 for a PS5. I mean, that's definitely pricier than PS4. Yeah. It, it seems what it reasonable do, to be $500 because it's bas- it's basically yeah. a high-powered PC. Absolutely. It, and it, 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 they may as well just make it a computer tower. It may as well just yeah. do that. Yeah, in fact, I, I've been watching a few more things lately with, like, more evidence that's been, like, leaking out. Not just, like, listings cropping up online, but, like, more insider information. And it is it has been leaning a lot more towards, like, 400 because I, I forgot, I think they said like three three hundred fifty pounds or something like that for a UK release, um, but I forgot like where that came from. But yeah, so a lot has actually been hovering more towards four hundred. So that's that's interesting. This could be like the PS3 and PS4, where it was like, hey, we're not really making money from the consoles, but we're making money from licenses. Right. Um. So, you know, only time will tell. Hopefully, we'll see something in the next month or so. Because you know, if they're still aiming for the end of the year, we kind of need to know what's going to cost. So, yeah, and which would both of them are going to cost um, because I'm, I'm going to be stubborn. I'm still going to get the, the one with the disk drive, not just because I like physical games, but also I would like to have another 4K disk player just in case. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if push comes to shove and Xbox has some decent exclusives for once and hopefully they do not buy uh, the WB games uh, franchises because I'll be very upset uh, if if it comes to that, I will buy the digital-only version of whatever the next Xbox is. Just because, like, all right, fine, you win. I want to play these games, but I don't need a disk drive. I'm just going to buy this cheap-as-hell version. <laughs> but we'll see. I know there's still a lot more stuff coming out, but uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a wait-and-see. Yeah, well, well, we will see what happens. And uh, Indeed. Yeah, I, it's, at some point, Seth and I will record uh, Shadow of the Colossus, and uh, we'll probably discuss this again there because they'll probably re-release all of the uh, was it Eco Shadow of the Colossus and the Last Guardian trilogy at some point on that. Oh yeah, yeah. if they if they can, can they just please make the Last Guardian good because that game sucks. <laughs> Fair enough. It only took like eight years to get made. Yeah, sure. Oy, it was way damn. outdated by the time it finally arrived on shelves. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse. Could be Duke Nukem Forever. Ugh. 
<laughs> and we'll talk about outdated. That'd right be away. a fun one to talk about because just fuck that game. <laughs> oh man. God, Duke Nukem is just like a product of its time. It needs to go away. Yeah. Yeah, you you sir, if you haven't watched uh what happened with Matt Big Muscles, there's so many games that he's talked about with stories like that. And he does Duke Nukem Forever. Um yeah. it's pretty funny because the intro to that episode, he he starts to do like his standard intro. It's like, "Hey everyone, welcome to What Happened the show where and then he cuts himself and just cuts this depressing black screen with like basic font saying, "It's time to talk about Duke." Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like the whole story and like it suddenly all becomes clear as to why the game turned out the way it did. Yeah. Like it was so much starting over multiple times. Like stop. Yeah. Just just finish what you started and get it out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there there's a lot behind that game. It's kind of insane. Five years to pick a game engine. Oh, I think it was even more than that. Oof. Like it was bad. It was yeah. really bad. Oh man. Well, that's a story <laughs> for another time. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Brandon. I appreciate Absolutely. this. You are the Mortal Kombat expert. I think you own everything <laughs> physically. You own arcade cabinets. You've got all the comics. <laughs> you, you, I, at some point, we need to get you to be working on the Mortal Kombat film, if that's even possible. <laughs> Oof, I, I probably have a better chance of doing like a, a fan film than anything else at this point. But yeah. Um, eh. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And with that, thank you all, and good night. <laughs>